good morning, good morning. Welcome everyone, good morning this morning. I'm encouraged. Um, Raymond's here with us this morning, and that's his favorite song, is Raise a Hallelujah. And so we had that opportunity to uh, stir this atmosphere, but also create what the Father would really like to do. Father, I would just ask this morning that this whole week has been set in motion, both by the unseen realm that we're beginning to understand, but also this natural realm. And so, Father, I ask that you would quicken, make alive your word as you allow us to be a part of what you're doing this morning. And that, Father, by your Holy Spirit, you would allow us to see, see who we are. We've talked about identity. We've talked about the things that are capturing our attention, distracting us from the things that it really are and what you've spoken. So, Father, I ask this morning that there be a reality of how we begin to move in these days ahead, that you would empower us by the presence of your Holy Spirit. We experienced, Father, we heard your word released at Pentecost. We're seeing the evidence of that which was spoken by you even just in the mere life of Norman. We're contending for the signs and wonders for miracles that were not limited as we spoke this morning, there's no quarantine in the realm of the Spirit. We have access to everything that you desire to do and accomplish. And that the eyes of this world would see who you are. Who you are. In Jesus' name. Well, I've, uh, like everyone, have tried to work through the very things that we see that are taking place all around us. Um... I keep trying to rehearse and amazed the way the Lord has brought the story of Noah before us. I'm continually trying to bring that story into the now. Hearing the words again through Seth, it's a time of visitation. I think we all realize this is a time of visitation. We often are able to look at the things that are possibly, <coughs> excuse me, both destructive, but also those things that... Uh, we don't like to talk about the difficulty of the things that are around us, but also we know that there's a parallel. There's the seen and the unseen realm. It's like watching a movie. There are many series on TV where there's a story within the story. And I believe that by the grace of God, we've been able to hear the Father reveal to us the story of Noah that we've talked about, it's not just eschatology only. I'm really learning as I'm beginning to look at the story of Noah. I'm looking at the day that we're in. Because as the word said, as it were, as it was in the days of Noah. Again, looking to eschatology, but I'm looking at the thread of all of the things that we can see that are taking place now. And I just want to read again. I want to go to Genesis. And I want to be able to somehow bring to the, uh, to the understanding that as we talk this through, as we walk this through, as we live this out, um, this story is just as real now 
and the purposes of God as it was in the days of Noah. And I believe that's why the Lord purposed it to be a part of that which we would look to, but not a point of something that would be removed from us as a future event, meaning eschatology or the return of the Lord, but more so what's taking place now. Because in reading, this is going to be uh, chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 11 and 12. Oh, excuse me. I'll read five, 5 and 6. I'm sorry? You got it. This is, of course, the Father speaking to Noah, seeing the condition of the heart of man. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Now, mind you, this is only 1,500 years after Adam had separated himself from the Father. And here we are, from the flood till now, we're 4,500 years later. And you look at the heart and the condition of man, and you look to see what God was trying to show us as he was trying to allow us to have an understanding of, of where we are living now, where we would be living, and the very things that are taking place all around us. And it's important for me because as I've been pondering this, because we've talked about the ark, the tabernacle, if you will, it was a place of refuge. We realized in understanding the word that we were being called, as in the days of Noah, that we would be that spiritual house, if you will, or that place of safety, refuge. And so I'm looking at this setting that we're in, and I'm watching how people respond. Now, if I was worldly, I would have the perspective that everything's going to work itself out. Everything just kind of evolves. And right and wrong is basically based upon what I agree with or I disagree with. And the circumstances and the very things that are around me and how I feel about those is then how I look at the events or the things that are around me. And then I'm looking at myself as a Christian and I know that the Father, he's created heaven and earth and all that it contains. And then through his Son, Jesus Christ, we are those that are being given the opportunity that he's come to restore man, humanity, those created in his image, to be returned back into that relationship with him. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to balance, I'm trying to read the story, I'm trying to bring it into the now, I'm trying to balance how all of those that are often around us, they don't have the same view that we have 
We have hope. We have purpose. But again, those that just see things evolve, they're driven by their emotions. The only thing that they have to hold on to is the circumstances and how that makes them feel and how they feel they need to be a part of something or reject something. And then this whole theme during this whole time, because I, I want to be attentive to what what we're to be doing, again, from our perspective as believers, as Christians. Because Noah knew his place. The Father had spoken to him of what he was to do and how he was to do it. Remembering he was just a mere man. But he found the grace of God and he walked with the Father. And so what's important for me is I continue to bring what I, I believe he's either teaching me through this setting of Noah's story or the, the place that we find ourselves in right now. There has to be a way that we just don't have this, uh, we often use this Christianese terminology and miss what the world is experiencing. Because we see things differently. We have a different perspective but it doesn't negate what other people are experiencing. And so I'm trying to find that place as to how do we as a people, knowing the severity of where we are now in the timing of the earth, the timing of humanity, and in turn, how would we respond if in fact, if the Father has asked us to join with him and establish or build this ark of his presence? or this spiritual house, or this refuge, or this place of safety. Because if we can't acknowledge or recognize those that are around us, and what they're experiencing, and how they're seeing things, we're going to miss the opportunity to be able to come alongside. But the thing that's so amazing to me is that because now what we see is this, uh, this word of injustice, it just began to ring out in, in depths of me and I just started to ask the Lord there has to be something that's being said here because we've now seen where a human life was taken by the hands of another and I'm saying the injustice in that and all of the earth because it isn't just the United States it isn't just certain locations now we're finding that all of the earth, there's huge, huge demonstrations. There's these worldly perspectives that their emotions are being driven to respond. They're, they're taking their circumstance to making their decisions and their actions to be right in their eyes. And then I began to look at some of the injustices that are around us all the time. And I'm hoping that when you hear these, it, it provokes something inside of me. Because I took statistics of 2019 I want you to hear the word injustice. And I want you to look at all of the upheaval right now. That because of 
an, a man's life was murdered, was taken by others. But now listen to some of these other injustices. And I'm, I'm believing it may touch you as well. Now mind you, we are 4,500 4, years beyond the day of Noah. And you look at God's trying to teach us something of Noah's story. And justice. 219. 2019. 85,000 rape cases were reported just in the United States. Now just let injustice ring through your mind as I'm reading these numbers. 682,000 child abuse cases of children under 17. Fifty-seven thousand child sex abuse cases were reported. Between eighteen thousand and twenty thousand, and this is just a, a guesstimate, reports of human trafficking in the United States and throughout the world, twenty-four point nine million. Now we're talking about injustice. We're talking about the earth responding to one portion of injustice. We're talking about a human life taken by the hand of others. We've all heard about the CDC a lot lately. These are 2017 numbers that are documented by the CDC. 862,000 abortions reported in the United States. Injustice is all around us. And if I just have the worldly view, then things happen. Things evolve, and that's just part of what life is. But for we who are Christians, those who are believers, there's something that quickens inside of us. That we begin to realize. And it, this was, uh, I mean, I knew of the numbers. But I never really stopped to ponder when we're looking at what we find ourselves in right now is injustice. And how, because we have a child care center, we're more aware of some of these child abuse settings. But then when you look at to as in the days of Noah were, 
and the condition of heart's man and man's heart and humanity. And you're talking about getting God's attention. God's attention was upon mankind and his creation. And he surely desired to preserve that which was made in his image. And so I'm pondering this, and I'm looking at this story, and I'm looking at where we are. And, of course, as a believer, you cry out in Isaiah 61, it says, to bring the good news to the afflicted. He has sent me, sent us, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. And so I'm... I'm trying to find what's important for me, for us, of how we navigate in the midst of a society, in the midst of two perspectives. I'm not even talking about and focusing on the seen and the unseen world. I'm not talking about the demonics and the realms of darkness. I'm just talking about practical life that people are in our lives every day and all of these these victims and perpetrators are amongst us they're part of who we are they're part of who we have been called to come alongside to be a, a, a light or a hope and then the difficult part is is that most of society now wants you to take sides. They want you to take a side. And they're saying if you're silent, you're taking a side. That's from the worldly perspective. And the reason why I keep bringing these two perspectives is that because we can, we can get lost in our setting of where we are as believers, as Christians, and we can start to formulate, and Kathy's spoken about this before, them and us. Well, if the Father has asked us to prepare this refuge, this safe place, this ark of his presence or a tabernacle or the spiritual house, it can't be them and us. So the Lord took me to the book of Joshua. I want to go to Joshua chapter 5. because it's going to be so important for us if we've experienced injustice if there isn't access <laughs> in my life to know there's something more than just what I see what I feel what I agree with or disagree with 
to make me either right or wrong, then it's going to overtake how I live my life out. But as a Christian or as a believer, we are so fortunate to have a deliverer, a healer, a comforter, the Prince of Peace. But I'm trying to bring the weight of this, and I think that's where these numbers of these statistics, I don't know if you wrote them down, but the weight that's on the very people that you and I walk by every day, people that we have relationship with, in many cases, family members, and in most cases, those that make up the body of Christ. But in Joshua chapter 5, chapter 13, or verse 13 and 14, this is where God's people had come out of 40 years of the wilderness. Now Joshua is leading God's people. Now mind you, 40 years, all of the men of war had died off. So Joshua had mostly young people. He was even commanded by God to circumcise all the young men because they hadn't had circumcision during the wilderness time. So they're just recovering from that. Then in turn, they had had Passover, and then the Lord was sending them out under Joshua to go to their promised land. And I can't even imagine Joshua standing there, because what was the first thing before him? The Philistines and Jericho. These are all, if nothing else, maybe farmers, young young people, under under forty. And Joshua knows the reputation of the Philistines. He knows that the promised land is over there, and there's only one way to get there. Through Jericho. Now we talk about all the battles that he went through. I'm sure he had no idea other than, you know what? This is what God has promised me. Now this is in front of me. And these are the people that I'm taking there. So here's Joshua overwhelmed, I'm sure, looking at the city of Jericho in verse 13. He says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite of him. With, with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or our adversaries? You could say that Joshua was kind of in a worldly view. <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't in a spiritual setting. He was overwhelmed with his circumstances. 
Some say it was the angel of the Lord. Some say it was Jesus. I have to believe it was Jesus because he was there for all things. In verse 14, so he said, being the angel of the Lord, he says, no, we're neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. See, there has to be a place. I don't want to get into the spiritual things. There's a lot to be said as the Lord host of the army who went before Joshua. That's why I believe when Sean Wilder went around Dartmouth-Hitchcock seven times, it wasn't Sean driving around. He just wasted gas, if you will. No, it enacted something in God. Because God wanted to advance salvation, destiny. Do you know what the Hebrew definition for Joshua is? The meaning of Joshua? Salvation. Every ark, if you will, the ark that Noah built, brought man to salvation. What was the next ark? Same terminology, same word. I'm sorry? No. That's what we think. It was a little basket that held Moses. The same word for the ark that Noah built is the same Hebrew word for the basket that Moses. So what happened with the ark that Noah built? It was sent out into the waters. Who guided it? God did. Who lifted it up? To the mountaintop. This is fun. I don't want to get into all the spiritual things. The basket was released by his mother. Who picked up the ark, the basket? It was caught up into Pharaoh's sister's arms. See, there's so much in the story of Noah that we're living right now. We're to be that ark of safety guided by the hand of God that it's not them and us. It can't be them and us. It can't be because your neighbor plays his jukebox or his whatever is playing out until 11 o'clock at night, that God's going to not love him. All these settings, the experiences in our lives presently right now, and most of us ask, why did, we, why did we have to go through the things in life that we have? It's one thing to teach someone a principle. It's another thing to nurture someone with the experience of the principle or the experience. And see, I just feel that it's so important right now that we would allow ourselves as God is advancing what he needs to do 
to bring the fullness of days to its completion. Meaning, all of these settings are that the good, the bad, and the in-between is that humanity, man, woman, child, made in his image, just might look up out of their circumstance. That they just might look beyond what they're feeling and justifying what they're doing or that they're a victim or that there's something justified. There's only one just judge. God knows the intents of the heart of man. But this is what I honestly believe that you and I are being asked to do. We talked about the, the seafood sale next door. We're talking about all of these relational settings that if we would allow ourselves, I mean, even in the most difficult of situations, it can't be with the view that it's me and them. Jesus died that not one would be lost. We've got to have that same uh, compassion, but yet also the same understanding. We've got to have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. There surely is a war going on in the heavenly realm that transcends this earthly realm, and there's no question about that. But we can't be so spiritual that not, we're not earthly good. I mean, Kathy and I spent a 10-hour ride to Upper State New York with a homeless person. And almost all of the conversation was rooted in one thing. Guess what that was? I'm sorry? This is before COVID. I'm sorry? Nope. Injustice. From when she was six or eight years old. So all of the things that I read off in the statistics, this one homeless person, injustice. I've been wrong. And it took 10 hours to break down and establish just a little bit of trust. So we are in a time of visitation. We don't want to miss this visitation. We don't want to miss this opportunity of what God is asking us to partner with him to do. Because when I say that in the midst of all of these difficult situations that someone might look up, they might just look up to you. You might be the first person that they can look to or might even trust or hope to trust or consider trusting. And even in our meeting this morning with the leadership, Uh -huh. 
you can't rely on what you see. That is the worldly truth because all the circumstances point to this is all there is and it's not going to get any better. But for those that have been fortunate to know him and allow him to continue to heal us and just like you were saying, separate us from those things that keep keep bringing the, the them and us, what people think about me, what people think I say and how I say it. And, and see, that's to... To be a reality to the lives of the people that we see every single day, either know personally, coming to know personally, or don't know. There has to be a motivation in your heart. Is my countenance a safe place? When I walk up to someone at Walmart or Val when you're on the bus, am I an invitation that, that they might look up? That they might find something more than what they're used to seeing, hearing? Don't penetrate my boundaries. Don't mess with me because you don't want to see who's inside here because you're not going to accept me. You're going to reject me. See, it's an all, all an invitation. But we have to be in a place. And that we even desire of what we're saying as an invitation, it isn't something in your face. Or oh, I've got something to tell you. Or just a simple good morning. Yeah. Often that will, you'll know. But see, I'm hoping, I, I'm not sure if, well, I have to distrust this morning. Because we are going to be given such an opportunity to change the way we live. We keep expecting other people to change the way that they live. Well, if they'll just get their act together, then I can like them, or I can get along with them, or, or they'll be okay, or they'll be all right. If we could just begin to open up our hearts and be watching, be mindful, someone that comes up, Spirit. And, 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 and check yourself first. It's my countenance. I see, I see this need here, Lord. Who was it? Somebody. It was Debbie Lamphere that was a young girl. Remember when she gave the testimony a couple of weeks ago that she went up to the young girl? When we're going up to somebody, are, are, we, just, are, are we just, hi, I'm religion? Or is it Holy Spirit? What's my countenance? Holy Spirit, let the, let the heart of the Father, let, let the love of God, not my love, but the love of God, let, let there be something 
because I believe what Debbie said was is it wasn't Debbie's words. There was something in Debbie's countenance that allowed this young girl to even be open or to respond. And so, I guess to just bring this all into, there's just so much that I, I keep learning and I'm so much aware of, and there's so much that I am becoming aware of in this whole as in the days of Noah were. I know it's repetitive, and I know that it sounds like it's just something that I keep saying, which I know I am. But there's so much to be learned. There's so much to understand. Because there's so many, uh, like I said, there's so many stories within the story and layers upon layer that keeps, keeps making itself apparent. Because if it was important enough for Jesus to say, as in the days of Noah were, then there must be something that applies to today. It isn't just an old story. There are principles that have to be, that must be, that will be lived out. And that if, if we are, and I could go in because we last left off with the covenant. My gosh, if, you, we, if we really understood of what that ark carried, it carried the promises of humanity, even to the point, and I'm going to stop with this because I'm, gonna, I'm getting into other things other than the practical, though it's practical. When Jesus returns to receive his kingdom for a thousand years, Whose throne will he be sitting on? The Davidic covenant. It spoke of Jesus sitting on the throne of David during the millennial setting. We're going to be kings and priests ruling with him. There is so much that's established according to the story of Noah because without Noah's ark, without Moses' little ark, if you will, if it wasn't for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David, there would not have been a Jesus. And those arks carried it all the way through the promise. And I'm going to stop with this. Who's going to carry the covenant into the kingdom? For the rest of eternity. Because a thousand years is just the beginning. Is it the spiritual house? Is that the ark that the Father will use to carry his covenant? into the millennial setting, into the eternals? See, it's more than just a story about building an ark. And yes, it's very important that we are those that are building, establishing, becoming that safe place, that place of refuge. But my, it's so much more. It's so much more. Yes, Val? Yeah.
Now see, I'm... But stop and think about it. Val's a wonderful person. And Val was very accommodating. But who did the woman want to embrace? Jesus. The one who dwells inside of Val. It was compelling. She was compelled to say, thank you, because words was not enough. She wanted to embrace her. So, I've carried on a little bit longer than I should have. And I left her to get right. on the green bus with Linda, and I'm like, wonderful. Thanks. Amen. <laughs> Father. Am I right, Lonnie? Yes, ma'am. We know, we know something from him. We are in that, And he's the one who's all around us. He's inside of us. And he desires to see, Psalms 139, everything that has been written concerning us to be fulfilled. So f- exactly. Exactly. Sure, come on. Yeah. Sure. So I'm going to pull it a little bit away because it's yeah. a little bit sharp. Well, I was supposed to bring my niece. No, um, I was supposed to bring my niece for prayer, and things have changed, you know, so I can't get her today. Okay. So, um, Running late, et cetera, et cetera, I pick up Hermine. Um, there's a, um, let me back up. Thank you, Kathy, for, I felt being scolded last week, even though she was praying for all of us. I was late, and she, we prayed for prayer. My prayer was answered, your prayer was answered. Because last night, there was people next door to me that had been tormenting me for three weeks, were removed. But during the removal, I passed them a box to pack your stuff and go. But I was accused of supporting this person and almost lost my housing. So when you're talking about all this, that's why I was crying, because Peggy was concerned why I was crying. Because, you know, you're compelled to help, but yet you're being judged and everything else. And these people used to knock on my door. Can I have, you know, when are you going to the food shop? When is this? Or how do I get that guy's number for the tent? You know, being that person that I do there. And the landlord knew that. But he'll say, they're druggies. Don't talk to them. And I'm like, but they're knocking on my door, like, you know. So long story short, they're gone, and I'm like, I'm going to sleep tonight. So again, I slept peacefully, and I'm late again. However, there was a woman outside that is very hard to reach, and she wanted a cup of coffee this morning and never accepts my help. And I said, she said, can you at least drop me off? Well, in conversation, what is your pastor's name? And I said, like, the smile on this woman I've never seen. He used to bring me butterscotch. That was my mailman. So she, so she didn't come in because I took the electronic um, temperature thing. So she's outside, and she wants to say hi. But she said, God walks with me every day. That's why I can't go with you. And I said, but he walks with him, too. Do you want to come say hello? So, you know, that's why I've been like, you know, you've been talking to me directly again. And I shared that with my niece, who her sister said, don't go there, Jesus freaks. So she didn't come because she fell. But we are going to bring her. But keep Heidi in your prayers. She's really, like, she has lupus. So, you know, we're really working. But there's other stuff. But praise the Lord. That's cool. What's her name? What's her name, the lady outside? 
I was hoping you'd remember. Oh, okay. I'll go, I'll go see her. Yeah. Oh, Cheryl. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Oh, cool. And she's the one that, you know, you might have smiled at and she won't smile back. But tell her, tell her cool. I've met you through Lonnie and he's so smart. That's awesome. That's awesome. So cool. Well, Father, I just thank you. Father. Amen. Father, teach us how how to have that compassion, but also walk by the Spirit, be attentive, check our own hearts. Father, in the midst of all of these things that seem to be escalating, we are peace. We can be peace to those around us. And Father, just continue to this move of your Spirit. Father, let us be so in communion, in union with your Holy Spirit. But allow the earthly good, Lord. Don't let us use words that can't reach the heart of the addict or the homeless or whatever the situation may be. And also, Father, this, this injustice. Father, I know you see beyond even the list that I had voiced this morning. And, and we can't imagine how that affects how you feel. So, Father, help us. Help us to be that light. Help us be the peacemakers. Let us be those that walk in the ministry of reconciliation. That those might be recon reconciled with you, Father. Through your son, Jesus, in an intimate relationship in the knowledge, in the intimate knowledge of your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name.